Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. The Wolves of Willoughby Chase is the story of two cousins, Bonnie and Sylvia Green. After Bonnie's parents are lost at sea, they become the wards of Miss Slycarp, Mr. Green's cousin and the girl's tutor. Miss Slycarp is cold and calculating and has devious plans for the cousins' fates. She sends them off to a children's home from which they must escape and make their way home. With the help of Simon the Goose Boy, they must survive hungry wild wolves in the hopes of finding a way to restore Willoughby Chase to Bonnie. The Wolves of Willoughby Chase is a lovely book filled with humor, heart, and adventure. What was drawing me to reread this book, and what, for that matter, had compelled me to keep it on my shelf for so long? The book, The Wolves of Willoughby Chase by Joan Aiken. How long it sat languishing on my bookshelf? Well over a decade. Each time I took the red paperback off my bookshelf, thinking to resell or donate it, my initial reading of the book was underwhelming. I would quickly put it back. Something in me believed in its greatness, in spite of my first impression. I'm not sure when I first acquired my copy of The Wolves of Willoughby Chase. The slip of paper I found in it the other day, my name written in my mother's handwriting with a picture of Holly sketched in pen, tells me that it must have been for Christmas one year. I do know that I got it as an adult and I wanted it for research. My plan, to collect and read the great children's books in hopes, as Barbara Pym said after visiting Jane Austen's home, that some of their genius might rub off on me. Imagine my disappointment when I first read it. All the hype I had heard and the book did not meet my expectations. It wasn't that I thought it was bad, and I cringe to think of this now, but in my immaturity, I perceived mediocrity. I put the book back on my shelf when I finished reading it, and let it stay there. There was a part of me that wanted to give the book a second chance. After all, my first reading wasn't bad, just underwhelming. Perhaps what was drawing me back to the book was a looming deadline for this podcast. I had to finalize what books I would share in February. The closer the deadline got to when I needed to start reading the books, the more uneasy I felt. I wasn't happy with my children's book selection. It didn't fit somehow. I like to think that the reason for this is that I needed my first impression of the book to change. In early January, I was packing for a weekend trip when I remembered The Wolves of Willoughby Chase. It might be the perfect book, I thought. I went to the bookshelf and pulled out my copy. What if I gave it another chance? I added it to the stack of books on my nightstand as I packed. I knew I couldn't start it immediately, but I kept thinking about it. It had become a mystery I needed to solve. Would it meet my previous expectations, or was my first impression correct? Because this thought wouldn't leave, and I didn't want to wait until the weekend was over to start it, I looked for audiobooks so I could listen as I drove. And it is this little happenstance that I credit with changing my opinion of the book. I didn't know when I got the audiobook that Joan Aiken's daughter, Lizza Aiken, was the narrator. I only realized this after she began her marvelous introduction, and I was treated to the backstory of how the book was written. How often do we get a glimpse of how a book was written from the perspective of one who has experienced its genesis? 
I was witnessing the bond between mother and daughter through a book, and it gave the story an added layer of warmth and depth. If you read this book, and I hope you will, please get a copy with Liza Aiken's introduction. It will make you love the book. It is a fascinating history of the fight for this book to be written and published, filled with twists and turns, starts and stops, family tragedy, and the manuscript being lost for a year in publishing. It's amazing that this book is even in our hands. Liza and her brother heard and loved this story before any other child. She could identify with the adversities of the two heroines, Bonnie and Sylvia. As I listened to the struggles of the Aiken family, Joan widowed and trying to provide for her two children, while this story simmered in her imagination for nearly a decade, I could picture Joan Aiken reading the story to Liza and her brother in its draft form. She was giving her children the tools to fight hopelessness and despair through a book and one that gave a satisfactory, happy ending. That moment in the car listening to the introduction was like magic. As I've just related, Joan Aiken was familiar with disappointment, tragedy, and hardship. She had ample opportunity to lose hope and give up on this book. This quote from Joan Aiken in her book, The Way to Write for Children, encapsulates the heart of the Wolves of Willoughby Chase for me. In it, she says, Children have tough moral fiber, They can surmount sadness and misfortune in fiction, especially if it is on a grand scale. And a fictional treatment may help inoculate them against the real thing. But let it not be a total tragedy. Your ending must show some hope for the future. And this is the reason that I love The Wolves of Willoughby Chase. It teaches children to not lose hope in the face of hardship, misfortune, and danger. And now, here's more about the story. There is an overall gothic feel and an element of the fantastic to the wolves of Willoughby Chase. It was dusk, winter dusk. Snow lay white and shining over the pleated hills, and icicles hung from the forest trees. The opening lines seem so serene and peaceful, but we quickly learn that there are savage wolves who haunt this world. Can you imagine an English countryside that is overrun by wolves? Wolves that hunt in packs and attack train carriages and the passengers in them? This is a world of real danger. Willoughby Chase, the largest state of the Green family, is safe, though, at least for now. It is a happy, loving family with a father, mother, and one of the delightful heroines of the book, Bonnie. Bonnie is waiting for her cousin, Sylvia, who is coming to live with the Greens because her elderly Aunt Jane no longer has the means to care for her. The two cousins are complete opposites. Bonnie is spunky with a fierce temper when anyone she loves is threatened. Sylvia is gentle, well-mannered, and delicate. Yet these two cousins get along famously and love each other from the start. All is set up for a complete and happy home, but there will soon be upheaval at Willoughby Chase. Bonnie's parents are leaving for a sea voyage because of the ill health of her mother, and Mr. Green's cousin, Miss Slycarp, is coming to care for the girls and to manage the estate. Miss Slycarp is cold and calculating, and once she enters the book, tragedy and danger lie in wait for the two heroines. The prim and sinister Miss Lycarp throws the cousin's world into disarray. You get the feeling that Joan Aiken took some pleasure unleashing the full villainy of Miss Lycarp. Her physical description, tall, very tall it seems, thin and dressed from head to toe in gray and dark glasses, shows that she is rigid and mean-spirited, perhaps a little wolf-like. We loathe her from the outset. There is something comforting about loathing a villain, don't you think? Miss Lycarp really is terrible especially the way she treats the two girls. In Bonnie's mind, she is still the mistress of Willoughby Chase. But Miss Slycarp challenges this, 
and as we will soon see, has no scruples disposing of people who get in her way of becoming the mistress of Willoughby Chase. The cousins, accustomed to love and kindness, are not prepared for the maliciousness of Miss Slycarp, not ever being exposed to it before, and are unprepared for the danger that lies in store for them. It is a little bit of innocence lost when the girls are sent to Mrs. Brisket's school. It is a cold and spiritless place, a perfect tribute to the school in Jane Eyre. This is one of the many acts in the cousin's history that show children that the world can hold malice and danger and ill content for them. There is something interesting about an author who doesn't keep her characters safe from misfortune and danger, especially in children's books. We long for the character to go on an adventure, yes, but for them to be in danger and experience sorrow? I think we wince a little at that. Joan Aiken is wiser, though. She throws her characters into the fray, knowing that this is a reality that many children must face. Up until the arrival of Miss Slycarp, home is a safe place for the two girls. It keeps them insulated from the evil and danger of the world, but it is when their home is taken away from them, and along with it their protection, that they understand how dangerous the world is. Bonnie and Sylvia must face villain after villain if they are to survive and restore Willoughby Chase to its rightful ownership. There are a surprising amount of villains in this book. Not only are there the wolves and Miss Slycarp, but there is also Mr. Grimshaw and Mrs. Brisket, the owner of the charity school where the cousins are sent. And yet, in spite of their circumstances, the two girls remain hopeful. In spite of parents lost at sea, losing their home, treated worse than servants at the charity school, and being powerless children with no means of escape, Bonnie and Sylvia hope that they will return home. It is because of their hope that the girls make it through the hardships and danger in the book and come out right in the end. There are many other factors as well. They act when opportunities arise to aid their escape, always watching for an open door. They use pluck, resolve, they are resourceful, and they have many friends who come to their aid. But without hope, they cannot see a means of escape or restoration. They will only see the tragic circumstances around them. Without hope, Bonnie and Sylvia will be like the spiritless children in Mrs. Brisket's school. Silent, too worn down to display any gumption or defiance of their ill treatment. Or worse, like the bullies of the school, who think the best way for survival is to become as hateful and mean-spirited as Mrs. Brisket and her daughter. But Bonnie and Sylvia do not become like either sets of girls. True, their time at Mrs. Brisket's and all that they go through take a toll on their health and their spirits, but they know who they are and where they belong. Bonnie and Sylvia's misfortunes, there are many, are on a grand scale. In the wrong hands, this could come across as dark and heavy. But remember Joan Aiken's words. Her story is infused with hope in spite of danger and sadness. Bonnie and Sylvia know hope, a hope that they will return home and that everything will be made right again. Without this hope, they are lost. I'm surprised now when I read The Wolves of Willoughby Chase of the lukewarm response I had to it at first. I wonder if I would have thought differently if I had read it when I was a child. I think I was expecting the wolves to play a bigger role in the book. Somehow, I envisioned Bonnie and Sylvia being chased by a horde of wolves in a grand battle as the climax. I failed to see, until this reading, that the wolves of the book wore human skin, too. Books like The Wolves of Willoughby Chase are such a treasure for children. They should be read in abundance because these books help lay a foundation that will help bolster children through life. As Joan Aiken said, they inoculate children to hardship and danger. There are wolves in this world, 
This book shows children that they do exist, but it leaves the child with hope that the wolves can be defeated. For the rest of us, because I am of the opinion that we never get too old for children's books, a good book is a good book. It serves as a reminder when life threatens to make us cynical to not lose hope. And it gives us a nice little adventure tale to boot. Read this book if you are craving an adventure story. Read it if you need a plucky tale of survival. Read this book if you are young or old. Immerse yourself in the story of these two endearing cousins. And may you find the courage to hope as they do.